Hi everyone, this is Ray. And this is TJ. And you're listening to Reconnect. Hey TJ, how are you doing? How's your, how's your week been? It's been good. I think it's been quite busy, but uh, all in all, the weather's kind of uh, easing up, I guess, in Korea. I don't know how you feel, but yeah. For me, I, <laughs> I've lost count the amount of narrow slips I've had on my way to work. <laughs> Seriously? <laughs> yeah. Well, you would think that after all this time of being in Korea, I'd be more used to winter. I guess I'm not there yet. I mean, but this winter especially has been quite severe. All the snow and all the icing. Yeah. Oh, uh, no, but glad to hear you're doing well because I have a question for you. Okay, we're diving right into the topic. <laughs> no, I like it. I like it. Let's do it. No time to waste. Yes, no time to waste. So the question I have for you today, TJ, growing up in the church, so you grew up in a Christian home, yep. did you or your family ever use commentaries? I know that my grandmother on my mother's side had a bookshelf filled with commentary. And my mother also no, <laughs> sort of inherited those books and applied them to her faith. They were a very big part of my life growing up um, as a child in faith. What about you? I remember my father waking up every morning, usually at sunrise. <laughs> and he'd go to the back patio that we had at our, our house. And he'd have a cup of coffee with him. And he'd have a notepad, a pen, his Bible, and a book of his favorite commentaries. That was a, a daily routine for him. That was his, his study time. Just kind of thinking back to all those times when I saw my mother and my grandmother reading the Bible, contemplating on it. It always seemed like commentaries and the Bible were like a set, like a combo, because I think they enjoy it. They have like a, these sets of commentaries that they really enjoy reading because maybe it helped them enjoy the Bible a little bit more. Yeah, I mean, it definitely seemed that way for my father and even my mother. But my father was a really good illustration of that because there was something about that that made it enjoyable for him to wake up early and to be able to open up the Bible. For those of our listeners who are unfamiliar with commentaries, like they're a pretty common tool that have been used to help understand the Bible. A lot of them are written by different pastors, theologians, missionaries, usually a lot of people that have spent time studying the Bible. Commentaries are basically insight into the Bible. Yes. I think that's how most people have accepted commentaries. And just going back to the reason why your father, Ray, and my mother, my grandmother, always enjoyed commentaries is because of this point. Commentaries seem like they provide insight to a book that is rather difficult, the Bible. If you read the Bible, alone. A lot of the things that are written are very difficult because, as we know, it's God-breathed and sometimes God's words are quite convoluted for people who don't understand what the main message is. And I think commentaries have positioned themselves very well so that it seems like they provide that insight. There was a period of time in my life where I found myself yeah. spending more time opening my commentary than actually opening up the Bible itself, which <laughs> seems backwards. Yeah. <laughs> but why did you do that? Because I understand that a lot of people do that. What was the motive behind it, would you say? It connects pretty well to what you were just talking about with the Bible being difficult at times to understand. And so here I am having this book that was written by someone who seems pretty authoritative based on their credibility. You're talking about the commentary, um, not the Bible. And, <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah. <laughs> it seems pretty credible. You know, they, they, they've gone to school or they're a pastor or whatever. Yeah, they're writing in a way that actually seems sim simple to me and easy to understand. So I guess it's that ease. I guess it's comfort. 
Right. That sense of comfort, because when you read the Bible, you're afraid to take your own interpretation and make your own conclusion about what God meant. But if you have someone else providing that interpretation for you and they're somewhat credible, I think it does provide a sense of comfort, doesn't it? It does. And what's funny is, if you spend enough time reading a particular commentary writer, you'll be seeking out that person, or you'll be seeking out topics that connect well with you, or things that you're actually looking for or wanting. Imagine walking into a bookstore, and you go to a Christian section, and you see all these different commentaries from all these different writers of different ages and backgrounds and things like that. And really, it, it just reminds me a lot of philosophy. Because mm-hmm. when you really get down to it, it's easy for us to accept someone's philosophy because it's their own. Mm, yeah. Right. We, we accept that it's their own thoughts, it's their own viewpoint on a subject mm-hmm. or, or something in the world. That's funny because when it comes to philosophy, you either agree with it or disagree with it. And if you agree with a certain person's philosophy, you kind of tend to lean towards that person's idea and start liking that person. That's why if you start liking a certain person's commentary, you start reading all of his books. Isn't that usually the case? Yeah, (laughs) I would say that's definitely the case. The, The reason why I brought up this topic today is that when you look at it, these books of commentaries, they are really just opinions, right? There's a lot of them that have focus on a moral lifestyle. But really, a good moral lifestyle, you can find those books in non-Christian sections as well. Yeah. And I think what we're trying to get at today through this topic is basically questioning whether or not commentaries are biblical. That's the most important thing, right? If the Bible approves commentaries, then there's no reason for us not to read it. However, if the Bible says otherwise, then shouldn't we reconsider? In light of all this, with with all these different commentaries, many of which focus so much on explanation and interpretation of prophecy, which is really important to look at. Yeah. Yes. What does the Bible say about That is the question. What does the Bible say about (laughs) commentaries specifically? Let's find out. Let's get into it. Okay, TJ. So the question is, are commentaries biblical? Are commentaries biblical? Hmm. Well... The answer is always in the Bible. I think that's that's going to be one of our main phrases. (laughs) Yeah. Well, the answer is in the Bible. Multiplied by a (laughs) hundred. Okay. What does the Bible say? I think I want to use an example because every time a similar topic comes into mind and I'm teaching one of my students, I give this example. Let's say I wrote a diary. Mm. I wrote a diary with all my plans, all my heart, all my emotions. I passed it on to future generations and I died, okay? I'm no longer here. And after 100, 200 years, what I'm seeing is that so many people are enjoying my diary because I wrote it so well. Mm. But the problem occurs here, 100 different people who read my diary are saying 100 different opinions about what I've written. TJ here probably meant this. And another person says, no, TJ meant this. And there's a contradiction that occurs between the readers and what they think TJ wrote and TJ meant. And I see a lot of this occurring in modern day art. You go to an art gallery and you see all these amazing paintings by renowned artists. And what do you say? Like you're in front of the painting and you say, oh, I think this artist intended to do this. I think the artist intended to do that. And many people have their own opinions on the matter. I think it's safe to say that commentaries are essentially the same thing in that they are opinions on the Bible. But the person who can give the answer is God. So if you really want to find the answer, you have to look in the Bible, as funny as that sounds. 
To answer your question, Ray. <laughs> yes. <laughs> to answer your question, commentaries are not biblical because they are not directly from God. They go beyond the Bible, and the Bible it mentions specifically in Corinthians chapter four, verse six, that we should not go beyond what is written. And commentaries do exactly that. I, I like that example. It's really good. Thank you. <laughs> <laughs> because it it, it it works really well because we know that God has poured so much of Himself mm. into the Bible. It's called holy for a reason because He put all of himself in there and god is holy yeah and so that we can open it and, and be able to be on the receiving end of that letter that he poured himself into that love letter right i i genuinely tried to empathize with god in this situation because we have the bible and there are so many denominations in the world of christianity right yeah. now and what this says is that we have different opinions about what god wrote i just wondered how god would feel when he looked at the situation and the best way I could empathize with the situation was kind of thinking about my diary and passing it on to future generations. Yeah, that works really well. Okay, so let's get into it a little bit deeper then. We, we know that the Bible is, is filled with prophecies. Yes. We've talked about it on a previous episode. And we know that those prophets within the Old Testament, they didn't take any credit for anything that they received. Anything that they wrote, they didn't take any credit for. They gave all attribution to God. Right. They said, God gave them this word. The word of the Lord came to me. That's right. Yes. The word of the Lord came to me. Looking at Amos 3.7, it says that God doesn't do anything without first letting his servants, the prophets, know. Mm -hmm. So God always lets us know in advance through the prophets of what he is going to do. So he is he's very accommodating in that sense, isn't he? It's, it's, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it, it does seem that way, right? Mm -hmm. But the thing is, for every person that claims to be a prophet, even if you're speaking truthfully, you will find dozens of others claiming the exact same thing. The Bible gives us an example of this. Deuteronomy chapter 18 verse 22. It says that what a prophet says, yeah, someone claiming to be a prophet, if it doesn't come true, then that prophet is speaking presumptuously. That word is actually very key. Failing to observe the limits of what is permitted or appropriate. So failing to <laughs> but, what? Yeah, you say that fail, one more time? Sure, failing to observe the limits of what is permitted or appropriate. And, and we already know that the Bible itself, it's not a product of that kind of action. It's not a product of that kind of thinking, that interpretation. Right. Okay. I think this is very important to talk about because as you said, the Bible is not a product of human interpretation mm -hmm. or philosophy. Mm -hmm. It is God-breathed, as we said in previous episodes. But let's just talk about it once more. <laughs> Second <laughs> Timothy chapter 3, verse 16, all scriptures are are God breathed. And as you said, Bray, these scriptures that the prophets wrote, the prophets all attribute the writing to God. They say right. this is given by God. So it's very important for us to understand clearly that the Bible is not a philosophy book. It's not opinions. It should not be regarded as such. Right. And the Bible itself says this on, on more than one occasion. It's pretty clear. If we look at Second Peter uh, chapter 1, verses 20 and 21, Above all, you must understand that no prophecy of Scripture came about by the prophet's own interpretation. Mm -hmm. So the Bible's making it abundantly clear to us. It's logical for us to conclude that interpreting the Bible today mm. would be presumptuous. Mm -hmm. <laughs> it's that kind of mistake that has led to so much confusion we mm -hmm. see within Christianity today. Let's talk about Revelation. If we look at chapters 2 and 3, we have these letters mm -hmm. written to seven churches. For years, multiple commentators have had different takes on this. Some of them write that the letters written to the seven churches were sent to 
seven actual churches at that time, while some say that didn't happen at all. Others write that the seven churches are a collective metaphor. They just represent different type of churches that are found in different ages and cultures. Mm-hmm. And there are others that write that the whole reason that it's seven churches at all mm-hmm. is that that number has significance. Like the G7. Like because the G- I've, heard <laughs> one, I've heard that one before, how the seven churches refers to the G7. Yeah. Mm. Yeah. Uh, I've definitely heard that as well. And, and I don't know if you heard this before when you're growing up in, in the church. I heard a lot that seven is a number that means perfection. I've heard that too. Yeah. Yeah. There are some commentators that think that's the whole reason why those seven churches were chosen in the first place. But then others think that they were just a part of a trade route. A process of these letters would go to these seven churches and then all the other believers would get it. Yeah. And all these different commentaries about Revelation chapter two, three only. Mm-hmm. And already we have multiple contradictions, multiple opinions that seem to go in separate directions. And this is exactly what I'm talking about. How can we claim that what we are teaching is truth if there are multiple opinions? We don't really say that an opinion is truth. Yeah. But the reason that we say God is truth and the Bible is truth is because there is an answer and that is God's answer. And if God wrote Revelation, if God has a plan, then there should only be one answer. And we're already seeing that there are so many different opinions and interpretations. Is it in our authority to interpret what God has written for us as prophecy? Or are we being, as you said, Ray, presumptuous? Corinthians chapter 1 verse 13 asks the question, is Christ divided? And <laughs> is Christ divided? Hmm. Yeah. In Revelation 2, 3, like, if I open up my Bible right now, these are words that are in red. And here we see them being pulled apart in so many different directions. We see that division actually happening. One question that I have after thinking about this, mm-hmm. why have people continued to write these commentaries for so long? There has to be a reason. Why have we continued to accept them? Well, I think for one, it's because we don't know the clear answer. Let's just say 10 people are in a pitch black room. They can't see anything. And then in the middle of the room, there's an object and people start touching it. And person A says, I think it feels like an elephant. Hmm. And another person says, I think it feels like a giraffe. And people start to gather around person A or person B, depending on what they feel like is the answer. And it's because mm, we don't have a clear answer, other people start joining in and providing their opinions and their interpretations. It's the same situation with the Israelites. Before Jesus came, there were multiple denominations within the Jewish church. Why? Because their interpretations and commentaries on the Old Testament were all very different. That's why you have the Pharisees, the Sadducees, teachers of the law, They were essentially different denominations teaching different teachings. And that's when Jesus came and told them, you guys are all wrong. (laughs) In Matthew (laughs) chapter 22, verse 29, Jesus says that you have, well, you are in error because you do not know God's word and God's power. The Bible is truth because God is truth. If we believe that, there should only be one answer to the Bible, not multiple opinions. Especially if they contradict each other, we should question ourselves whether or not these are the answers. Commentaries, many of them, many of them contradict each other because essentially they are opinions, not answers. I think one real reason 
why people continue to read commentaries and accept them is for the same reason that I did years ago. I had something that I desired. I had an idea of something that I wanted. And so I found someone who matched that. And, <laughs> and those were the commentaries I picked up and read. We tend to lean towards ideas that agree with us. Yes. We start cherry picking. There should come a time for each and every one of us where we just stop and ask ourselves, am I pursuing truth or am I pursuing something that adheres to what I believe and what I like? Ah, uh, there's a good verse for this, actually. Second mm. Timothy chapter 4, verse 3. For the time will come when men will not put up with sound doctrine. Instead... To suit their own desires, they will gather around them a great number of teachers to say what their itching ears want to hear. What's that expression in English? Because I'm not a native speaker. I, it's like All right. you scratch <laughs> yeah. that. Um, in Korean, we have an expression where we say, uh, we scratch where you itch. And that means basically you give the person what they want. Yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm drawing a blank on examples in English, but yeah, it's just... It, it makes is sense. Is that sufficient? Yeah. No, I, I, think, I, think that, I think that works, actually. Mm -hmm. So you're scratching somebody else's itch. Yeah. <laughs> and in the case of our faith, some of the things that itch us mm -hmm. might be very personal things. And if a certain commentary scratches that itch spot, we tend to lean towards that commentator. The question to ask ourselves is, is that something God wants us to do? Does, that, does he want us to lean towards an idea that we like or prefer? Or does he want us to pursue truth and really stay curious about what God is saying in the Bible, not other people's opinions? The Bible itself, it lets us know that there are limits to what we can actually add or subtract. Deuteronomy chapter 4 verse 2 lets us know this. That mm. Don't add anything, don't take anything away, follow my commands. It's amazing how God makes it so specific and so plain in the Bible, we should not take away or add things to the Bible. It's not just in Deuteronomy chapter 4 verse 2. It's also in Revelation. And as we mentioned, it's also in the first book of Corinthians chapter 4 verse 6. God tells us multiple times throughout the Bible that we should keep his word as it is without adding our own thoughts. I'm glad that you mentioned Revelation. In, in Revelation chapter 22, it's in verses 18 and 19, it talks about how the consequences for adding or subtracting mm -hmm. from God's word. It's literally curses and plagues. Yeah, it's quite scary, isn't it? That's heavy duty. Yes. So it makes you wonder, like, if I had been writing commentaries up to this mm -hmm. point, you know, regardless of what my background might be, maybe I'm pastoring a church, maybe I'm a missionary. If I've been writing commentaries up to this point, surely I would just stop. <laughs> mm -hmm. You know, or if I had known, I just wouldn't have started in the first place. I guess it's our hope that they come around and realize that these verses is God telling us to open our eyes to the Bible and stop if we are adding or subtracting from the Bible. It's not just people who write commentaries. It's also for people who read commentaries as well, because unknowingly, if you're reading commentaries, you believe what the commentator has written. Inadvertently, you are adding or subtracting to the Bible because that commentary has been added onto it. And that is not of the Bible. That is not of truth. It's someone else's opinion about God. It's a very slippery slope for many Christians because mm. we all say we have to pray more. We have to read the Bible more. Yeah. But what does that mean? It's really important to know the, the meaning of what this truly means. I'm saying mean a lot, but yes, what, <laughs> <laughs> what does right. knowing the word truly mean for us as Christians? Well, for one... You know, if you listen to us today, it's 
knowing the word without adding or subtracting anything to the word. It's knowing God's word as it is. That's a start. If we have in our hearts that we will not adhere to other people's opinions about what God has written, that gives us a good start. And the next step would be for us to truly discover and try to search for what God is saying in the words that he's written because the Bible is still quite difficult to understand. Sometimes it's frustrating because it seems like we are in complete error because we don't understand. And that is why we need guidance. That's when God visits us. And God does not want you to stay in that state of ignorance. But if you truly follow his word, really want to know his word, really want to know his truth, then God will provide a solution. You know, TJ, after talking about everything that we have, I really hope that our listeners are able to have a clearer understanding of what the Bible has to say in regard to commentaries and that, is it biblical? No. We just want to say that we understand your frustration if you have been reading commentaries because the Bible, we know, is a difficult book to understand. Mm. Why? Because God has written all his plans in there and we need God to reveal those plans to us for us to understand clearly. Because as I said, we understand your frustration. We don't think it's a bad thing for you to be searching for answers. This is good. All of us as Christians should be wanting to find answers about the Bible. After listening to all the verses that Ray and I have talked about and shared with you, we hope that you have a better understanding that the direction that you are taking, if you're reading commentary for finding answers about the Bible, is not something that God approves of. It's quite the opposite. We hope that with this understanding, you will try to find the right direction in finding God's word. You may not know it yet, but the questions that you have about the Bible, the answers are also in the Bible. All you need to do is connect the dots to find out where the answers are. The difficulty in this is that you need guidance. And if you guys are really interested and want to know, please drop us an email and we can always send you uh, information about our Bible study that we are doing every week. Mm. You can always feel free to join us. So please, if you're interested, send us an email. If you haven't liked or subscribed or downloaded our podcast, please, please do, do so. <laughs> <laughs> and that's all we have for today. So take to heart what we talked about, please. And we will be returning with the seventh episode of Reconnect. This has been TJ. And Ray. We'll see you next time. We'll see you next time. <laughs> <laughs> Have a good one, guys. Bye bye.